And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. Everyone is looking for more joy in their lives, right? But where is the best place to find it? What if we could just pause time to see the spark in the mundane and return our attention to those ordinary moments that make life feel extraordinary? What if we could find joy in plain sight? On today's episode, my awesome friend Katya is going to discuss this topic. In fact, she's the author of the book with the same title, Joy in Plain Sight. Katya, welcome to the podcast. Tony, thank you so much for having me. And what a beautiful and joyous introduction. I'm so delighted to be here. I'm delighted to have you because this is something that I've been wanting to discuss for a while because we live in such a rushed, fast-paced society that we don't take the time to stop and notice those things in front of us that bring us joy. And I just love the title of your book, Joy in Plain Sight. How did you come to, uh, to write the book and to actually pick out that title? Yeah, really good questions. As many of us were enrobed in a, you know, a period of turmoil during the pandemic where the way I describe it is that the world had kind of lost its color, where folks, a lot of people were dying, people were losing jobs. It was just a very tumultuous time to be alive. And on top of the pandemic, I was also working quite a lot, 15 hour days. So you might imagine that burnout began to to creep in. And that is not a good recipe for a good life. Now, I was wondering to myself, I was like, well, the pandemic is still going on. It doesn't really have any signs of stopping. And I feel kind of bad. I don't feel able to do the activities that you used to like, you know, all the, all the concerts shut down for a while. The hiking trails were shut down. So couldn't even go to my solace on mountaintops. I was like, how do I actually try to get out of this rut, this feeling of blah. And what I realized is that couldn't move to Bali. Like your friend, your coach is living in Bali right now. Couldn't do that. I wish. But what if there was something embedded in the ordinary moments, embedded in our everyday lives that could actually help us to imbue a little bit more color back into our world? Mm. And so I wanted to just run a short experiment of what would it look like if I were to notice all of those little beautiful things right in front of me? The thing is, to our earlier point about toxic, toxic, toxic positivity, where we're not trying to push away the negativity, we're not trying to push away the negative thoughts and pretend they don't exist. But rather it's to say, yeah, things really suck right now. And also at the same time, almost paradoxically, there's a lot of things to be grateful for. There's a lot of things that are beautiful and joyous right in front of us. So I wanted to kind of marinate on that idea and see if I could myself, you know, on daily walks, in the brief interactions with strangers in grocery stores, to find little sparkles that make the mundane feel very colorful. And hence the title Joy in Plain Sight kind of came about because it was really about seeing what's out there in plain sight and then extricating all the little moments that make us pause and joy. 
I like that. I like finding the sparkles that make the mundane joyous because mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right, though. The world right now, it's kind of lost its color. We have mm -hmm. so much negativity. That's why I started the podcast. I was on social media and I was sitting there just reading people's posts. And this was back in 2020. So it was right in the middle of the lockdowns, the pandemic, the election here in America. And it was like all negativity on social media. And I said, someone has got to start spreading positivity in the world. And that's when I heard that little voice inside that said, it's your job to do that. That's what you're called for. You need to go out there in these tumultuous times and bring that positivity and spread that joy. And just like you spread that joy that we can find in plain sight and gratitude. I, I love how you brought that up because gratitude is so important and being grateful for those moments. Like when you go out and take a hike and you have some beautiful areas in the part of the country where you live. And I was just recently up where I live up in the Adirondacks, up in the mountains, hiking up in the mountains. And there's nothing more rewarding than climbing to the top of a mountain you know, with all that sweat and energy and then you get the payoff when you see the yes. beautiful sight. And again, that yeah. joy in plain sight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And it, I think it really ties in really nicely, Tony, with something that I appreciate about you is that part of the name of this podcast and part of kind of your ethos, as I perceive it, is this strive to thrive, right? That's, that's something that folks um, I would intuit know you for. Tony's the guy who helps others strive to thrive. Now, what's so fascinating to me about that is when... I was kind of beginning my career. That was my tagline too. In fact, I had it in my email signature, Kati Davidova, strive to thrive. And now it's kind of evolved more as I'm a, a leadership practitioner. So I help organizations and their managers to have effective leadership skills, like feedback, strategic thinking, influential communications. And now it's sort of evolved into this. How do we help organizations thrive? But still wow. at the core, how do we help human beings be the best version of themselves without overhauling their lives. Yeah. Because you and I know change is really, really hard. How yeah. do we break that down into small little microscopic moments that are accessible and that feel accessible to most everybody? Exactly. And change, we found a lot of change happening during the whole COVID pandemic because we started doing a lot of working remotely mm -hmm. where people and businesses, and I've said this on the podcast before, a lot of businesses before COVID came in, they would not let their employees work remotely because they didn't trust them. But what they learned is by actually letting them do it, they actually found that the employees were much more productive and got a lot more done by being able to work remotely. And now we have this like we're having a conversation right now over Zoom, and I've said this before, I, they're not a sponsor of the program or anything like that, but we're on Zoom and I have meetings over Zoom. I do my coaching over that platform. And then you have even meetings where you put everybody in like Brady Bunch mode and you yeah. want to kind of sing the song. Here's the story. You know, exactly. wait, who's who's Alice? Who's in the middle? <laughs> The but, question uh, of the hour of every meeting. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, do you put the boys on one side and the girls on the other? Or but, is it up to the Zoom gods to determine the order? <laughs> yes, exactly. But the, the whole culture has changed. And that is what's really, um, I, I think it's really helped to help people to thrive better. Because when you're able to do the things you enjoy, that's really when you thrive. And my thing is, most people are actually just surviving. They're mm -hmm. out there, they're going to work, they're driving their little box cars, 
on the expressway and in the area where you live you've got those six lane highways which oh yeah you know i think would drive me crazy i literally <laughs> yes so you're you're driving to work you're frustrated because of the traffic then you get into the office and you go into your little cubicle and you work your whole day and everybody's working for the weekend just mm -hmm. like that lover boy song from the 80s used mm -hmm. to say and i tell people you know you need to get out of surviving and you have to move to thriving. But in the middle, there's that strive because you have to to go from surviving to thriving. You have to strive for that. You have to push yourself. And in that striving, in those small moments along the way, that is where you can actually start to find your joy. Yeah. And I do want to say too that like this is not looking for the joys in plain sight is not a panacea for life's problems. It's not a panacea for, you know, folks who have clinical depression or anxiety or, you know, challenges. And I just want to make that super explicit because this is not a fix all, right? Like you can't just wake up one day. Oh, you're sad. Just be happy. Right. It's not that right. sort of solution. Um, but rather to your point, Tony, it's those little tiny incremental steps that I, I think on a previous podcast episode, somebody was talking about how to pick up a gym habit, right? The first step, put out your gym shoes on day one, second step, lay out your gym shoes and your gym clothes. Third day, go to the gym for literally one minute. In fact, author yes. James Clear talks about this in his book, Atomic Habits. I actually just listened to him yesterday at a resources for humans uh, conference, which was phenomenal. Oh, sounds phenomenal. It was incredible to, to hear him speak because I a huge habits builder, habits thinker, habits writer. And the goal is to build that, like you said in your previous episode, the compounding interest that every day, 1% better. And yet I, I also, I'm reading a book right now called uh, 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman, I believe. It's phenomenal. He actually argues against compounded growth, against this productivity oriented nature of people always striving to be their best, right? So like, this is, this is kind of like a challenge to the way I think you and I kind of think about it of like, not every day has to be full of learning and growth. Some days you can just have moments of idleness. Some days you can just be without wanting to be the next best or the, the better self. And I think that's such a fascinating idea because it kind of, it allows us to have growth that is sustainable and one that we're not constantly in this like hamster wheel of being the best self, being the best self, being the best self. Some days we can just be right. And those yeah. little joys, those little moments of pause, I think can bring us to the centeredness, bring us to the sense of like, you are here now. And that's mm -hmm. literally all you ever have. You don't have yeah. the past. You don't have the future. That's not guaranteed. But you're literally only here now. Yeah. Living in the now. I think that was uh, Eckhart Tolle wrote the book, mm -hmm. uh, Living in yes. the Now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's another now. great, great book. But I like that idea of guilt-free idleness because there mm -hmm. has to be times where we take those rests, where we do get off that hamster wheel of life. Because I talk about that. One of the things about working with people, I work with a lot of people who want to start a business. They want to... Mm -hmm break free of the nine to five and start a business. But if you break free of a nine to five and then go to working 24 seven, what have you accomplished? Yes. Yes, exactly. It's like a different kind of work. It's all, almost a more immersive sort of work because you're doing everything behind the scenes and in front of the scenes too. It's, mm -hmm. it's quite a bit. Tony, I'm curious in, in coaching the folks on how to build their business. What is like, what is their biggest pain point that you found? I think time management. Mm. Most people just they don't know how to manage their time. So that's why I teach productivity as well. I have mm -hmm. a workshop, you know, that I have coming up. It's called uh, Closing the Productivity Gap. 
And it's just about being able to get rid of those things in your life that make you less than productive. But one of the things that everyone has to be able to do when they're trying to be more productive is to take those pauses, to take more breaks. Because if you work constantly, then you end up working harder. And Mm -hmm. your work, number one, it's usually not as good when you're tired, right? Mm -hmm. And number two, Mm -hmm. your work, uh, you're just not as efficient. So you're not getting as much done. So if you took the break, you'd actually end up getting more done. So that's for a whole other podcast. But uh, speaking of which, I actually considered naming this podcast instead of Joy in Plain Sight, the subtitle of your book, which is Celebrating the Wonder in the Ordinary, because I just love that. And can we discuss a little bit more about where you're going with that subtitle, Celebrating the Wonder in Authority? Because I really, I really like that. And I think that will resonate with people. Absolutely. So one of actually the sort of quote in in front of my book is by Pema Chodron, who says, appreciate everything, even the ordinary, especially the ordinary. And I just love that quote because one of the other essential themes or premises in my book is how do we get from being human doings back to human beings? And I want to focus on that human doing versus human being. For folks who who know me, who are familiar with me and my work, they would say that I'm pretty productive, right? Like I get you done, get get a lot of things done. I've always been this way. I kind of had grown up as a perfectionist, did well in school, did well professionally, and was always kind of like constantly on the go. It's like, go, 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 go. As the decades sort of piled on, I felt myself becoming slipping into this human doing mindset. Because if I wasn't productive, then I wasn't good, right? As some of Perhaps your past sort of guests might have alluded to, it's like some of that self-worth becomes tied into what you do versus who you are. And that can be pretty pretty problematic. So I was like, okay, what's the next thing? How do I get to the next and the next and the next? So I became a human doing. But what if there were opportunities for us to actually be human beings? How do we get there? How do we feel so vehemently present in the moment without, you know, to our earlier point, moving to Bali without enacting a drastic life change? And so Again, I began turning to all of the ordinary things that exist right in front of us. In fact, the human brain can only keep track of a certain amount of information. It only holds on to a certain amount of information because otherwise our brains would just be overloaded. So how do we pay attention to, amidst the attention economy, how do we pay attention to the things that give our life meaning, the things that give our life purpose? And I think that you know, especially as we're getting bombarded by social media, by messages, pings, notifications, all of that is is a nonstop waterfall. How can we extract the things that matter most to us? One of the ways that I found um, has worked is to really pay attention to the small things, the ordinary things, and then adding that other layer of meaning upon them to make it more meaningful to us personally. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. We definitely do bring out our identity in what we do. If you ever go to a networking event Mm -hmm. and that's the first thing that you ask somebody, well, what do you do? And you ever notice what you say there? For example, let's just use this. Yeah, I'm a coach or Mm -hmm. I'm an author or prior in my previous life. Yeah, I'm an investigator. I, I am. You use those words. I am, which is your identity. But have you ever thought about saying something like, yes, I write books or I mm-hmm. do investigations. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not the same, right? Yeah. It's an identity thing and we get so caught up in that in what our identity is 
And I think sometimes, like you said, we have to stop focusing on that and focus on who we are as a human being. And that's something that I find uh, when I work with people, when you ask them, what are the things you like to do? And sometimes people, I mean, they can name a few things. And then I say, well, when was the last time you did that? Mm -hmm. Mic drop, right? And they're like, "Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, getting back to appreciation and gratitude, I have something that I call the law of appreciation. And that basically is simple. It's when we appreciate something, when we appreciate our life, our life appreciates in value. That's good, Tony. Say that again for the people in the back, because that's brilliant. Yes. When we appreciate our life, our life can appreciate in value. Wow. Because appreciate, it has two meanings. It has the meaning of gratitude and being grateful for something, but it also has this meaning of increasing in value. Because mm-hmm. when you buy a property, you hope that that property appreciates in value. So when mm-hmm. we appreciate, when we're great, grateful for our life, yeah. our life grows in value. And yes. uh, it goes back to what one of my mentors, Tony Robbins, says, when you are grateful Fear disappears and abundance appears. And I love that quote. The benefits of gratitude are really everywhere in our life, from our relationships, in our careers, in our business. When we appreciate everything we have, it's that law of attraction that steps in and it does truly bring us more abundance in our life. So I always tell people, and anyone listening to the podcast probably has heard me say this a hundred times, every morning when you get up, think of three things that you're grateful for and focus on those things. Just take a minute. It won't take you very long. Write it down. And that is the best way to start your day. And the other thing to do in the morning when you first get up and you're doing it right now, smile. Yes. Yes. Because it sends the signals to to the brain that, oh, wow. If someone's physiologically smiling, maybe their brain will also catch up and say, ah, maybe there is something to actually smile about. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in your book, you tell stories about things that show joy in plain sight. It's, there is definitely a a huge component of joy. A lot of it is to observations on the serendipity, the absurdity, the beauty of us as human beings. So it's a lot of observational writing. I kind of wanted to, I drew a lot of influence from authors like David Sedaris and Glennon Doyle, who are very good at observing life as it happens, life as it unfolds. So I wanted to kind of pull from some of their styles to weave in not only what I was observing in the present, but also tie it back with how to, how does the memory of something related to that tie into it? How does it dance the, the sort of the past and the present and musings on the future? And one story is a story on what I learned from my cats. Now, what I know about you, Tony, is that you have three cats. What you didn't know about me is that I also have three cats. My partner and I share, yeah, three cat brothers. And they are just the most wonderful creatures and the most wonderful teachers. So when we were talking about productivity and always just doing, cats Mm -hmm. are completely opposite. If they feel like sleeping, they are going to nap. If they feel like stretching, they are going to stretch. They are just so guided intrinsically by their embodied desires, like truly embodied because they are so in their bodies. They're so utterly present that I think that we as people can learn quite a lot from them. So one one thing that I kind of, yeah, one thing that I um, try doing is anytime that I would notice one of my cats stretch, I would also encourage myself to stretch because I noticed I was like sitting hunched over over my laptop, right? Typing away all day, every day. What if I could actually take those deep breaths just like the cats. 
to unfurl, to unwind the spine and to kind of like stand a little bit taller, breathe a little bit deeper. And so that became my kind of like little habit, right? Of how do we build those habits of noticing the present? So that's, that's just one example of a kind of like a story about that. Another is uh, an ode to one of my favorite grocery stores. Another is an ode to my car and all the journeys that it's been on kind of personifying it a little bit. So all these tiny little observational moments dressed up in story form, but they're still hundred percent true. Yeah, definitely. Learning from your cats. I never thought about that, but you're, yeah. you're exactly right. What I love is my, one of my cats, Mittens, he's the boy. I have, uh, I have a brother and sister. And that's Mittens and Dolly is the girl. And then I have Pookie, who is the older girl. Now, Pookie. Pookie. Pookie, That's so sweet. I love that. (laughs) Pookie really wanted to be an only cat. And she was not very happy when I brought the other two in. But that's Mm -hmm. the way it goes. But Mittens will always come up to me and he'll, he'll wake me up in the morning and he'll make sure that I get up because... His bowl is empty because he likes to eat (laughs) and I will feed him and he'll want to make sure that I get up in the morning. And then after he eats, he just goes back upstairs and goes to bed and I'm going, Hey, wait a minute here. Now I'm up. Yes. The cat's life. It's uh, it's definitely different from a, from a dog's life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So let me ask you, what is something that you wish you had learned or knew about before you started your, your career? right now? Mm. This feels very similar to the question of like, what advice might I have given my 18 year old self? self. Yeah. Yeah. To borrow borrow from a previous episode. I think what I had wished I known or wished I could have told myself is to worry less. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but to party more because I was (laughs) so, yeah, imagine that. Right. I was so focused on academics and on like getting all of the, the internships, the scholarships, all of that very, like a a classic type, a straight A student. When I graduated from college, I was kind of like, well, where do I go from here? What do I do? How do I, how do I discover it? And I wish I had allowed myself the grace to sit in the discomfort of not knowing Mm. now. That's one thing, right? To, to allow oneself that grace. The other is yes. the more sort of fervent reality of systemic factors of like parents saying like, hey, you need to figure this out of, of the education system saying, hey, you got to figure out your you know next five, 10 years. Um, so all these outside influences, but kind of helping, and the, I do this right now with, um, I mentor college students, helping those you know young people kind of just sit in the fact that like they don't know everything and they don't have to know everything. Just like you and I at our points in our career still don't know everything and we still don't have to know everything. It's kind of like a constant throughout our lives, right? Because the only constant is change. That's always going to be present. Change and learning. Mm Because I truly believe that we need to learn from everything. And that's why I don't believe in failure. When we fail, I guess, if we just use that, let's just use that word. It's really, we just make a mistake. We do something that we can change. And if we look at it that way, that there's no failure in life, there's only lessons learned and we can move on from that, you know, going back in, in life and, you know, that question about what would you teach your 18 year old self? And that would probably be one of the things that I would say is remember that there are no failures. There's Mm -hmm. just lessons. And another thing I would say would be to look for something good in everything, even those things that are bad in your life, because a lot of times, and I'll just throw in a brief story from my own life. There was a time when my father had uh, an aneurysm and Mm. he 
you know, he survived it. And around that time, I had been working a job and I had just gotten laid off. And this was now I was married before and I'm divorced now, <laughs> but but this was uh, this should have been an omen. Right. But right before my my wedding, I got laid off from my job and it was like, oh, great. You know, this is not what you want. The invitations just went out. Aww. So it was a kind of a sad moment and a stressful moment. Mm-hmm. And then my father had the aneurysm and he had to come and stay with me afterwards. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for the fact that I had gotten laid off my job, I would not have been there. So that's one of those moments in my life when I can look back and I can see this thing that was bad happened because this had to happen. And and in the same way, and I'll I'll, I'll talk about my parents, my father was a heavy smoker Mm -hmm. and he quit smoking you know, much later in in life. And right after, within a year after him quitting smoking, my mother comes down with cancer and yeah. Lung cancer? Lung cancer. Yes. Oh, so from secondhand smoke. Well, no, from, from her own smoking too. Yeah. They were big smokers. My, my parents, if you've, uh, I've talked about this on the podcast, my parents were actually my biological grandparents. Uh, Mm. They were my maternal grandparents and they, they raised me, but Mm -hmm. so they were much older, but my father, he was, you know, 60 years old and he quit smoking. Mm -hmm. And if he had not quit smoking, he would not have been able to take care of my mother. So again, all these moments in life, we can, we can look back, you know, and they say hindsight is 2020, mm-hmm. but I think a good practice to get into and correct me if I'm wrong, Katya, but it would be a great idea whenever we have something that's a disappointing or a sad moment or something that we don't like, if we could say, what good could come out of this? What is mm-hmm. the one good thing that could come out of this and try to mm-hmm. approach it that way? Again, not to be approaching toxic positivity where we're looking for good things and bad, but think about what is something I could be grateful for in this moment. You know, it's the same thing when, when we lose someone in our life, we could say we're grateful for the time that we had with that person. Now, a lot of times that doesn't help us in the moment, but we have to appreciate, like you said, we have to appreciate that time of grief when we do have it because it is there for a reason, but learning to look for those joyous things, uh, that we can find. And even those things that, that don't seem joyous at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, I really appreciate you sharing that story because of it's very personal bent and how applicable and relevant it may be for some of the listeners. What I want to kind of build on from that is, you know, you talked about your gratitude practice of waking up and naming three things that you're grateful for at the beginning of the day. I want to expand on that a little bit and share, um, perhaps another approach to this, because I also had had a gratitude practice for a number of years where I would write down at the end of the day, three things that I was grateful for to like, make it really solid for me. Fell off that practice after a bit, because what I realized is that there's a lot of power in something called habit stacking. So again, this is a concept from James Clear from the habits author. If you want to build a new habit, in this case, build a new gratitude habit, build a new joy habit of noticing just one thing just one tiny thing in your day that makes you pause in awe or wonder, how do you do it? How do you do it in a way that's sustainable and that will stick? Because a lot of times, right, we try on a new habit. It works for the first week. It works for maybe the second week. And then boom, we go back to the status quo. So how do we make these things stick? And I I love thinking and writing about this. One of the things that I found to be helpful is habit stacking of having one habit that you already do. For example, I drink coffee in the mornings. That is my like non-negotiable. I have to because coffee is, you know, coffee is life. Coffee is Um, life. 
the yes. blood of life. <laughs> exactly. If you take anything away from today, coffee is life. Um, decaf or not. So finding one thing that you do every day for some folks, it's coffee for some folks. I hope for all people it's brushing their teeth, right? So taking an existing habit, like brushing your teeth at the end of the day and stacking on top of a new habit that you want to begin. So if you want to begin a new gratitude practice, what if you could use those two minutes of brushing your teeth at the beginning or the end of your day, or both, if you're trying to double whammy it to just mentally reflect back on your day and see what stood out. What was something good? Maybe it was a simple hello to a stranger on the street. Maybe you, you locked eyes or like, wow, like that is a stranger who has their own world, their own life, just as rich, compelling, and powerful as our own. Maybe it was the way that the leaf crunched under your shoe as, you know, fall rolls into to the East Coast. It's still really yes. hot here on the West Coast. But maybe it was just that delight, that childlike wonder of the crunchy leaf. Maybe it was as simple as you're writing somebody a note and you loved the way that the ink flowed from the pen, right? So tiny, so minuscule, so seemingly insignificant until we add that layer of reflection, until we add that layer of meaning. When we can imbue this, you know, new joy habit or new gratitude habit on top of something we already do, like brushing our teeth, like drinking coffee, that helps to reinforce this new habit altogether and helps it make a little bit more sustainable. So for the folks who are listening, like if that's something that seems up your alley, or if that's something that seems like something to experiment with, try it just for the next week. Don't try it for the next month. Try it, just try it for the next week. So we have to start small. Yes. You have to start small. That's, that's great. Cause you're going to brush your teeth anyway. Let's, I let's hope, hope so. so. Right. I <laughs> right. Hope so uh, you're going to drink that coffee in the morning every day, probably. So when you're doing that, use that time to think of one thing. And I like that. Think of one thing because it starts small. And then maybe after a week, you can add two things mm -hmm. and you can move on from there. You know, I tell people the same thing if you're going to try to exercise because here in uh, the Northeast, uh, winter's coming, it gets cold and mm -hmm. we're not going outside to take our walks. So maybe we want to walk on that treadmill. Now, I know people with treadmills in their house and usually treadmill becomes a coat rack it's sitting mm -hmm. down in the basement mm -hmm. it's got clothes on it's got a, the first thing you do is clean it off one mm -hmm. day take one day to clean it off and then for the next week just walk downstairs and stand on it mm -hmm. don't turn it on nothing just stand on it get into that habit of doing it and then maybe the next couple of days the next week you just walk on it for one minute i mean mm -hmm. Who cannot spare one minute to walk on a treadmill? And then as you build that habit, now you've gotten into the habit of doing two things. One, well, three things, really. Your treadmill is cleaned off. You're going to go downstairs every day. You, so you go downstairs, assuming it's downstairs. I mean, maybe your treadmill's upstairs. I don't know. Right. But yeah, it's just building that habit. And it's the same thing. Everyone always tries to bite off more than they can chew when they go to the gym, when they January 1st, they are going to diet, they're going to exercise, they're going to start saving money, they're going to do all these things, and they set themselves up for failure. If you start with the little things, start a little bit at a time, take those small steps, and then the next day, here's the second part of it, be grateful for those things that you did. Find the joy in it and celebrate your victories. Just like we talked about guilt-free idleness, Yes. You know, have celebrations when you do those things, you know, mm -hmm. don't beat yourself up when you have that piece of chocolate cake and go off your diet that one day, celebrate the victories when you go out to dinner and everybody else is having these high, you know, heavy meals and you have like a salad. 
celebrate yeah. that yeah. celebrate your victories and that is a way that you can find joy in those little things in life yeah i think what it kind of it can boil down to is living in the paradox of existence so instead of thinking black and white right i either run or i eat like 3000 calories worth of donuts you can have both. Yeah. I was on a recent podcast and the host asked me like, what is the most imperfect thing that you've done, you know, in the last week? And just off the cuff, randomly, I thought back to the day prior where I had eaten three donuts or two or three donuts because my, you know, my partner bought us donuts. I was like, well, I can't just stop at just one. They're donuts. Right. They're delicious. <laughs> and I, I kind of said the answer, well, the most perfect thing that I did was eat two donuts in you know, the span of two minutes. And like I said, it almost in jest, but also seriously, because yeah, it was kind of like a unhappy thing to do for my stomach, but it was an amazing thing to do for my soul. Like I loved that experience, right? All of the sugar, mm -hmm. the calories, the carbs. Oh, it was so good. And I mean, of course, you know, ran it off, worked it off the next day or the day of, but being able to be in that almost like liminal space of paradox, it's a yes and sort of mindset versus either or. And that like to my fellow recovering perfectionists, to my fellow type A people, even to any type of person, honestly, like that is so hard to overcome yeah. because we are conditioned to think in black and white. We're conditioned to think in either or thinking. And this is a lesson that I'm still trying to teach myself to lean into. How do we have a yes and mindset and actually live and do things and act upon that sort of mindset? I find the same thing happening with me because I've talked about this on the podcast before, is that I eat a vegan diet. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about that is when I go to New York City, which is where I'm from, mm -hmm. and I'm going into Brooklyn or a place where there's like, amazing pizza, mm -hmm. you know, I will have a slice and I yes. won't feel guilty about it because, mm -hmm. you know, 99% of the time I'm not eating, you know, that dairy, I'm not eating any of that mm -hmm. stuff. Or mm -hmm. if I'm at a birthday party or a wedding and someone passes around cake, you know, maybe mm -hmm. I'll have a piece. Now, maybe I won't eat the whole thing, but you sure. know, in the beginning, I was very strict when I first started mm -hmm. because I felt that I had to be, but now, you know, I'll allow myself. Now, am I going to completely fall off the wagon, like, you know, an alcoholic who has a drink. No, I've found that it's a moderation thing. And it is about enjoying that because, you know, when I do have that slice, I really enjoy it, but mm -hmm. it's not like I'm going to go back and eat it every day. So it's about finding moderation in, in life and uh, really focusing on why are we doing the things that we do? If those things we're just doing them and we're just going through the motions, maybe we're doing something because that's the way we've always done it. It's just learning to uh, appreciate and learn to do more of the things that we enjoy. I think that's what I'm getting at here. Mm -hmm. With intentionality. And I love that your point about the why, like actually asking ourselves, like, why do we want, you know, this pizza, this donut, this new habit? What is it about us that makes us strive, Tony, in your words, strive towards that change? Yeah. Really understanding the roots of it, I think is so important. And even if for the folks listening, if they do want to pick up a new joy habit, my first invitation to folks like that would be to ask ourselves, why are you doing this? Is it because some random person on the internet suggested it? Or are you doing this because you actually want to, because you want to feel better? It's really taking that moment of intentionality, intentionality to reflect. Why do I want yeah. the things that I want? Why do I go away from the things that I don't? There's a book that I've read recently. I'd recommend it. I can't remember the author off the top of my head. It's two authors, but it's called The Power of Bad. What it talks about is bad things and bad thoughts 
hold four times more weight than good. Wow. Bad feelings versus good feelings. So what happens is if we think a bad thought, it's going to have a, a like a four factor on us versus a good thought. So the idea behind that is we need to spend more time focusing on those good things and enjoying the things that are good in order to counter those things in our life that are bad, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's almost the negativity bias, right? Where we're more likely to remember where the things that are negative tend to stick out in our brains far more likely than the things that are good or positive. Exactly. And to your point, we have to kind of work to counter that negativity bias. We have to work to find the appreciation in the world of organizational development, right? There's a um, piece of research from Gallup that says employees whose managers don't take the time to recognize or appreciate them are three times as likely to leave their organization in the next year. That's mm. wild, Tony. That's wild. Three times the chance of attrition just because the manager does not take the time to appreciate, to recognize the efforts and the work of wow. their employees. How do we imbue that into our daily world for ourselves? Mm -hmm. It reminds me of another study about doctors and malpractice lawsuits. Mm. The doctors that were more likely to be sued in a malpractice lawsuit are the doctors who did not have that close connection with their patients. If the patients just felt that the doctors were just walking in, going through the motions, and there was no rapport there, then those were the doctors that were more likely to be sued. Performance had nothing to do with it, but yeah. uh, it's really interesting. So that, that is that, that people want to be treated like they have value. And mm -hmm. when you're treated as an employee, just like what you're talking about, like you're valued, then yeah, you're more likely to stay there. Even if the money's not as good, I found that as well. And it's all has to do with appreciation and finding contentment in the mundane things in our life, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be viewed as their full human selves. One of the ways that we can do so for others is to appreciate them. One of mm -hmm. the ways that we can do so for ourselves is to appreciate the things around us, especially in a mundane or everyday environment. I found that that's my own personal secret, if I if I may call it a secret to joy. Uh, folks who've read the book have also resonated with it. They're like, oh yeah, I didn't realize like all of this beauty was actually around me. I'm like, yes, yes it is. On yes. Sundays, it's incredibly hard to find. And yet it is there. It is there if we are willing to take just one moment to uncover it for ourselves. I couldn't have said that any better. <laughs> if we just have one moment to enjoy it for ourselves. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, I've really enjoyed uh, this discussion today. Mm -hmm. This has been great, Katya. And Likewise. I am looking forward. I haven't read your book yet and I'm looking forward to reading it. So if anyone is interested in getting the book and I'd recommend it highly, even though I haven't read it, but just from oh, everything I know about you and about what we've discussed today, where would uh, someone find the book and where would they reach out if they wanted to reach out to you? Absolutely. So there's a couple of options for buying the book online or in stores. You're welcome to purchase it at Amazon or Barnes and Noble. The book is called Joy in Plain Sight, Stories and Essays Celebrating Wonder in the Ordinary. But more sort of close to heart, I would honestly love to hear from you, dear listener, whoever's tuning in right now, please send me an email at katya at katyadavidova.com. Tony will put this in the show notes too, or feel free to send me a DM at joy in plain sight on Instagram. Join Plain Sight on Instagram, Katya at katyadavidova.com. Genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, I would love to hear from y'all because it just makes it such a more joyous and beautiful world. The more that we can talk and spread the joy all around us. Oh, that is great. Now, speaking of spreading the joy, 
I was going to ask you a question that I asked all my guests, but before that, mm-hmm. I just thought it would be fun if we could just give the listeners one thing that they could do to make the world a more joyous place. So what I'm going to say, I'll start here. And I'm mm-hmm. just going to say that when you go out into the world, treat people the way you would want to be treated and give back. You know, that's where I'm a big believer in that uh, pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stand there and buy somebody a cup of coffee. Because you yeah. know what? When you do something for somebody, it not only gives them joy, it'll also give you joy. Yeah. So appreciate people, appreciate the world around you. That's mm. uh, that, that's what I would say. That's beautiful, Tony. I love that. I would add on to that in the sort of, because human beings are so relational because the way that we're wired is to show up in groups. I would encourage folks to reach out to one person that they haven't talked to in at least a month or so. In fact, I have one person on my list that it is literally on my calendar. Speaking of calendar driven people, it's on my calendar to reach out to this person. I haven't talked to her in quite a few months and I'm going to do that to reconnect, rekindle that uh, relationship and hopefully bring a smile to her face. So I'm really looking forward to doing that today. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Reach out to those people in your life. Yeah. I've said that I believe too, to write letters sometimes to someone that you haven't heard from in a while. Cause yes. I mean, how many, how many of us write handwritten letters anymore? I know everyone is, <laughs> yes, you do. Great. I try to do that as well. You know, send somebody just a short note. It doesn't have to be a big, long letter or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. so Katya, this has been fantastic. And I'm going to ask you that question that I ask all my guests now, which is yes. what does being purposely positive mean to you? Oh, Tony, purposefully positive has such an all-encompassing sort of ethos to it. I think what it means to me is to find moments where, again, going back to earlier points, where you can feel so utterly present in the moment that light just feels like it's shining into you and out of you. Whatever that means to you, however you choose to interpret it, purposefully positive, finding that moment of pure presence where the light can shine, whatever that light means to you. I love it. Pure presence where the light can shine. It's like when we connect with those moments in our life, almost like we connect with people. I don't know if you've had conversations with someone, you meet somebody or you just sit down and you're talking to somebody you've known for a while and you have that feeling like there's a cord of light between the two people and you just feel the warmth of that connection and the radiance of that light growing. And part of this and part of finding this joy in plain sight is we need to each go out there and spread some joy in the world. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself, Tony. Tony, this is just seriously such a joy and such a delight. I'm so grateful. This is going to be my one of my gratitude uh, things on my gratitude list today of having this opportunity to chat with you, to chat with our awesome listeners. And just thank you from the bottom of my heart for making this happen. Gotcha. Thank you for being on the program. And we will definitely have to have you back with uh, another discussion. We'll just have to figure out what your next book is. (laughs) That's right. Book number two coming sometime in the future. (laughs) I appreciate it, Tony. And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. And you may be out there wondering, how can I put more joy in my life? Well, order Katya's book on Amazon.com. But while you're waiting for the book, come to TonyWCoaching.com, download a free ebook, a free resource, Strive to Thrive, and start living that purposely positive life.